Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, Be Awesome listeners. You are listening to episode 74 of the Be Awesome podcast. And my guest today is actually a repeat performer. I think the timing on it is perfect with everything going on with the reopening of schools. He is a longtime friend of mine. One of the only people that I know can beat me in a game of who's got the best socks on today. Uh, None other than uh, my friend Paul Tim from FEA Associates. Mr. Paul Tim, how are you, my friend? Doing really well. Glad to be back. I think the last time we did one of these maybe was in Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, I'm in Illinois. You're on yep. the East Coast. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, that was. It was that, that we did it in the boardroom. We did the podcast in the boardroom. You were one of the first guests in 2018, I guess. We didn't launch it until 2019. There was something that happened back then that definitely wasn't COVID uh, that caused the delay. <laughs> and this thing's going out today, July 23rd, 2020. So I date and timestamp that this has to go out when completed. So um, before we get started, this is school focused. This is school focused uh, podcast. So tell me a little bit about what you do and how you do it and uh, how you work with schools. Well, thank you. I'm glad to do that. Um, My background is in physical security, and I've been doing that uh, as a second generation person, by the way. My dad started the firm in 84, and I joined in the late 90s. And and uh, that, that firm was called Rita Security. And then in uh, 2017, Facility Engineering Associates uh, purchased uh, Rita Security. But we, we really do uh, just a couple things, Josh. We do security assessments, and then we follow that up with recommendation reports in schools. We help with emergency planning, and we do lots of training. But as you and I know, there's not lots of training going on now. There's not a lot of conference speaking. There's almost no travel. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's interesting days. Well, I mean, it's interesting. You, you and I talk about compared notes and, and uh, frequent flyer miles uh, as we cross the country. And, you know, when we talk about, you know, kind of assessments and security and safety in schools and the things that you do, um, you know, you do hundreds in, a, in any given year, and those are fully occupied schools. Typical uh, thoughts are, um, you know, some of the thoughts are, are, are people gaining entry. You know, how easy is it to gain entry? You know, I've listened to you talk about where you sh- where trees should be put and the height that they should be, the lighting and all that. That's all with assumption of, of business as usual. And it's far from business as usual right now, and why this is pretty fitting for us to have this conversation because even though that's not business as usual, there's still, there's still things that still have to happen. There's still going to be people accessing the buildings and we still want to make sure that they're as secure as humanly possible. So I'll let you pick one of the hot topics that's, that, that may or may not. And this is something that too, this may not be what we're going to talk about may not be things that are top of mind for schools. So it's vitally important that they listen to this and they make it top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. And uh, yeah, um, after years and years of uh, more than 100 assessments every year, this year will not be one of those years, I don't think. But um, for sure, we want to talk about access control, I think, is the place to lead off. And what will it be like as we think about social distancing to have people coming into our building uh, or buildings? And and when I say people, I'm not talking just about visitors, although I want to highlight that in just a moment, but students and staff, because we're used to coming in and like, you know, groups and uh, one right after the next and together and holding hands and 
Um, and so we're going to have to do those things a little bit different. But um, I think where most schools are, are really having um, some anxiety is over what we'll do with visitor management. And, I, you know, the first thing we'll do is we'll probably still have them come in our main entry because we have a desk set up and everything. But we're probably not going to have them leave that egress, that same access point. We'll probably, like you've seen in the stores, have arrows pointing them to a different point of egress. Um, and how we'll interact with them at the main desk will be very different. And um, I'm not doing a sales um, job here for Raptor, but they really own the market in visitor management software. And I think many schools that have that product don't know some of the great features that they can make use of. Uh, for example, with Raptor, I don't need to hand you, if you're the administrative assistant, my ID. I can now put it right in the reader myself. And like a toaster, it draws it down and scans it and then pops it back up and I take it. And, and the actual printer can be up there as well. So I can, I can take it right off of the printer, hopefully put it in a clear badge that hangs on a colored breakaway lanyard, and I'm good to go without there having been anything involving touch. Um, because as you know, the word touchless is, is a big thing. Okay? Mm -hmm. um, furthermore, Raptor has, um, and, and there's no additional cost to these things, but they've got a panic button right in the center of the screen. So if I were to see you come in with that big burly beard and a face mask, and you know, I'm getting a little <laughs> bit concerned, and I'm not, of course I would never be concerned with you, Josh, because you're the friendliest man on the face <laughs> of the earth. But I, it, let's say I saw somebody come in and something didn't look right, I could just hit that panic button. It would automatically by text and email notify a couple people that I had designated in the building who could come and help me with visitor management instead of me, you know, picking up the phone and saying, you know, that person makes me a little bit uh, suspicious. Um, so I really like the panic button. And then finally, I really like the screening options that they have. And, and those can be programmed and, and, and some of them um, set or customizable where uh, if you come in, I can say, welcome to our safe school. Let me just ask you, have you tested positive for COVID in the past? Have, are you running a fever? And, and that way there doesn't have to be a lot of um, people making it up on the fly. We can just go right through the list and, and eventually even get into contact tracing. So there's so much that can, that can help schools now, and they should be thinking about these things today instead of after schools open. So uh, this, you're more than welcome to plug Raptor. I think that they're a, uh, they're a fantastic company. As a matter of fact, the town that I live in, um, and you and I talk about social media all the time, um, and how it just can disrupt, uh, you know, good efforts. And, and uh, there was some, some question and issue about Raptor a couple of years ago when we implemented it here in Easton. And so I called their office. This is a, a, good, a good business story. I called their office and a live voice answered. And the person that answered said, how can I help you? And I said, you know, my town is having these questions on Facebook and I really want to answer um, I, I think I have some of the answers, but I'd really like to have confirmation. Is there somebody that I can talk to? And she says, um, yeah, let me put you through to our CEO. And she put me through to, is it, it Tim or Jim? Yeah, it's uh, Jim Vesterman. Jim Vesterman. Yeah. So great, great guy. Um, uh, he spent about a half an hour on the phone with me as a CEO of one of these big companies to make sure that I understood about, you know, his visitor management software and how it works. And, and I'm going to ask a couple questions, but this is my uh, entry picture for the day. So for those of you that are watching the video, um, 
Paul and I met uh, close to probably 15 years ago. And he always talks about when he does his assessments about things to look for uh, around doors, access doors specifically, that could cause you to be worried about easy accessibility, i.e. a rock or a brick outside of a door is typically a smoke break uh, door stopper, but it can be for people to do bad, uh, have bad intentions. So my goal every time I see him on Zoom is I put the most ridiculous uh, door propping device that I can find online. So today this one's good. It's like two, two school chairs on top of a door, uh, double doors holding it open. It's rather creative, uh, but tall people will probably get, get hit in the head pretty good. Yeah, I'm feeling a little nauseated just looking yeah. at it, but I would love that photo to put in my, yeah. I've got that whole presentation called <laughs> improper access control. I'd love yeah. that. Yes, I will absolutely give that to you. Um, one of the things that you hit on, um, and it, it's, I guess it's a questionnaire with Raptor, right? So it's a, they, is that a customizable thing that they can put? It is. Yeah, yeah they're going to have some uh, program things that you can use or change in any way that you want. And yes. uh, again, it's really an excellent idea. I think that regardless, whatever people use, um, I think that access management, um, and, and that's not key cards, that's not anything, that's, that's first of all, comes out of process, right? I mean, we could do this with paper, we could do this with, with a very tedious process, it's a tedious um, way of doing it. Um, we need to have the process down and then we can get the products to provide how, we, how efficient it is. Um, which I think that that, that tie-in about the question questionnaire is big because there has been, I mean, we talk about COVID changes every day. The reopening of schools and how that's going to look changes every single day. We get frustrated about something and then 24 hours later, it's not there anymore. And one of those things was temperature checks. We were going to be required to do multiple temperature checks every single day. Just Two months ago, that was implemented and it was going to be mandated. It was going to be required. You were going to have to have thermal scanning stations. Now that's gone. Yeah. So now you really want to make sure, and it's not about liability or accountability. It's about being able, like you say, to be able to trace where this was, where it came from, and hold people, hold people self-accountable for, for, you know, it's one of those things like you ask, you know, if you ask the person a question, uh, it's harder for them to lie. If you don't ask them the question, then they can not worry about anything at all. But if you go and you ask someone, hey, have you felt sick lately? They have to answer that question and they have to do it honestly. So um, I think that's a great, uh, I think that's a, a great thing. And I think a lot of people, that's not top of mind, right? Because they haven't had, they haven't had any visitors for six yeah. months. And yeah. basically it's been, um, well, let me ask you, have you had much experience from March to June? Because I mean, schools were still very active with faculty and staff, like they still had to get meals for kids that were on the free and reduced programs. They still had to get the Chromebooks for the kids and still had to do the deep cleaning. You know, were they putting some of these programs in place? Or is this something like right now that you're just seeing like a hot button that everybody's like, oh, man, we are behind. We need to catch up before no, I think the good news is most people have been thinking about some things because remember, we had retrieval of belongings, whether they belong to staff or to students, and they had to set up ways for vehicles to come onto the property, for items to be loaded into vehicles with people still wearing masks, with uh, you know, with proper PPE, all, all of those things 
Um, so that's one. And I think the other thing, Josh, that has happened in society is, uh, is protests because schools have had to at least think about what their civil disturbance procedures are. And some, some didn't even have that in their emergency plan. But if any, in, an incident was happening or an event was occurring on or near your property, you have to be prepared for those kinds of things. And one last thing, we, we you know, many states said you cannot be on our place playgrounds or athletic fields for a certain period of time. I think that that was like April and May. And so what happened when somebody was on your track or on your football field, we had to go and, and, um, you know, confront that person, even if it was in a very genuine and friendly way to say, I'm sorry, but by order of the governor, you can't be on the property. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, we've addressed some of those access control things, but but there's much more to be thought about, and there are great solutions like this for for them. Mm-hmm. But they're taxpayers; they should be on the field even during a pandemic. That's yeah. the that's the. I mean, I I I tell you what, one job that I didn't envy, and and I saw a bunch of it. I think I told you I've seen a, a couple of stories and a couple because I talked to so many schools. Was the were those security and police officers early on that had to go tell people that walk the track that they can't walk the track and how upset and irate they were yeah. um, at the idea behind that. It's, I, I get it. And we've had such incredible changes in life. I mean, I, I don't I don't own a razor anymore. It's fantastic. You know, it's, it took a little bit getting used to, but uh, you know, Paul Bunyan over here growing it out. That's um, great. Hey, you know, it's uh, I, I, I've, I've worn pants. Uh, this is getting a little personal, but we're close <laughs> and my listeners are close, but I've actually worn pants that don't have a drawstring once, <laughs> once, since March 13th. Uh, you know the greatest thing in the world right now? Men's yoga pants. Yes, well. They, they, don't even have, they don't even have drawstrings. They're elastic waistbands and elastic ankle bands. They're fantastic. The big baggy like MC Hammer pants. Comfortable as all get out. Well, and this would never happen to you, but if you put on the COVID-15, that's expandable and ready to go. <laughs> it's, it is, it's, 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 a, it's a new wave all, all ways around, but uh, you know, we've got to embrace, adapt, and adjust, and, and you guys are doing that. And you know, the one thing that, that caught my interest when I talked to you yesterday about doing this um, was something that was not even like, I, I like to think I got most things on my radar screen about what's going on, especially in the education world. We're, we're in it, we're around it. All the people we talk to are business officials, facility directors, school resource officers, you know, so we're, we're in the know. But you dropped a bomb on me yesterday with the drills. Those still have to happen, right? Yeah. So they still have to go down. And I don't think that's anywhere on anybody's radar. Yeah, I, you know, states are just beginning to um, issue some guidance on this, um, but even they are keeping things flexible to a certain extent. And I've talked with now um, Idaho, Colorado, Missouri, Indiana, Illinois, of course, because that's where I'm based, Kentucky, um, and uh, South Carolina. And I, I might not remember them all, but I've been trying to, to kind of get something here to see where the commonalities lie. And of course, fire is always the top of everybody's minds because there are codes for fire. Mm-hmm. And um, almost all states are sticking with, you've got to have that first fire drill in the first 10 to 14 days of school. Well, that, I mean, that's, you talk about it being difficult in a normal semester, but in this semester coming up, 
really difficult because they want everyone to go through the drill, all students, all staff. And if you've done a hybrid thing or a group A and group B, and how are you going to get everyone to go through a fire drill if I come on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and you come on Wednesdays and Fridays? So that one is, is a big deal. And here's, I just have a couple of things that I think are worth schools thinking about. And number one is, remember, guidance is coming from the state. You want to do your best to follow it as much as possible, but you also want to hold hands with your responders. If, we're, if there's any disconnect between us and our responders, we're going to definitely have problems. So I think that, that those two things, state guidance and responders, and then when we get to difficulties, then we use the magic formula of collaboration plus consensus. Let's get, for specifics, let's get people around the table and say, okay, we get that we have to do this in the first 14 days, but how are we going to do this with social distancing in, in an egress path to a rally point that's on tennis courts or whatever? And, and we can fix those things on a case-by-case -case basis, there's no doubt. But one more thing I wanted to say, Josh, before we get into details is the perfect thing to do in those group settings is for somebody to have their evacuation map and hold it up because for as long as we've had those in the buildings, they really have become part of the scenery, have they not? Mm -hmm. I ask teachers about what, you know, do you have a primary route and a secondary route? Do you have a severe weather shelter in place area? Do you, and they start going, actually, I don't even know what's on our maps. I don't know if our maps have ever been updated. So from a visual standpoint, it's a great aid to begin those discussions. And then it helps us if we're going to reroute things or, have social distancing in a rally area to to then have those as discussion points. So I'm not that smart. We know that. So what I'm about to say, maybe I may be the only person in the world that is thinking this, but for the last three months, any place that I've walked into, I've looked at the floor and with absolute conviction made sure I was walking with the arrows. Do you think that there is going to be something psychological that even though the closest egress is to the left, because the arrows are going to the right, the people are going to start doing that. Like it's a really great question. And yes, I do. I, boom. I got it. I'm, I'm smart again. Yeah. And, and by the way, we, we have to think about setting up those one way hallways mm -hmm. for some of the things we're doing anyway. So it's, it's, if we're already putting in that as an access control, like the grocery stores, why not say, let's also now talk about our drills so that we're not getting people, like you said, who are confused. And because, listen, have you caught yourself in the grocery store walking down the wrong way and going, whoops, whoops, I got to turn around and, yep. um, or you have somebody wagging your finger, their finger at you saying you can't come down this, this aisle. I've had that happen at the grocery store. So yeah, it's got to be a coordinated effort. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate it. I, I, cause I'm just thinking about it. I, I'm, I'm sitting here and, and I want to actually, I'm, I'm going to come back to the arrows and everything. Cause I, I think it's important for our listeners to know, and you know, the details better than I do, but the importance of drills and testing, cause it's, it's a pain. It's a hassle. We all should know, we hear alarm, we go out, we go walk outside, we get a little bit of a break. First of all, it comes at an incredible cost because we have to take our firefighters offline, paramedics, for, so that they can go and deactivate the alarm, make sure that it's safe and everything else. So when we're talking about staggered schedules, now you got to double the alarms and double the drills. And people are going to be like, well, this is just such a pain in the neck. What's the importance behind it? Why is it such a big deal? 
when was the last time there was a major fire or a fire that killed students and teachers? Uh, was it 1950? It was 62 years ago. It was Our Lady of the Angels Catholic School in Chicago, and almost 100 people died. And after that is when we came in with all of the codes and requirements to do drills and, and, and all of that. And there has not been one student that has died in a school fire-related incident since across the whole U.S. because we got it right and we have it down pat. I think that's and by the way. 2,500 fires every year in educational institutions are still happening, but mm -hmm. no deaths because we've got it right. Yep. That's, uh, I talk to people and nobody knows that statistic or that fact. And I get it. 62 years. It was 50, it was 1954, 1956. My math is off, but, uh, or it was in the fifties as what I remembered. I knew it was in Chicago and I knew, I know some of the details, but when I talk to people, I go, when was the last person, somebody, a student faculty member was killed in a fire related incident? I'm like almost happened all the time. No, it doesn't 62 yeah. years ago. So we're doing yeah. something right with these drills, tests, setting yeah. up of egresses and exit signs. And that's, you know, this is, this is going to be, and I'm not saying that this is going to cause the first death in 62 years, but I, I sit here and I go, we have become so wired in the last four months and we went from obnoxious and going three wide down down a one way to now staying in your lane, right, and and making sure you're following the arrows. Now all of a sudden an alarm goes off and you trigger and you go out the door and then there's an arrow and you go, oh, it's closer way is left for for the door, but the arrow says I got to go right, and then you walk in the wrong way. So I think that's a, a valid concern that people have to figure out because we're just putting we're putting stickers and signs everywhere, giving people direction. And I think there's people that would follow that direction over even following the, the crowd that's going. It's true. Um, and, and I want to make an important distinction. Um, all of this states know this. Um, we want to keep as much of what we had in place as possible when we drill because of social distancing, we may have to alter things, but in a real emergency, and now I'm gonna shift, let's just say, no, let's stick with, with fire. Let's say you and I are part of the same class, there's 20 kids in the class, and we go out the proper uh, egress route, out the door, through the rally area, and it is a real fire, and you and I are standing shoulder to shoulder, no one will say a word about that because it's a real emergency and to get us out was the most important thing. If it's a drill and you and I go out and we're not six feet apart and we're, we're shoulder to shoulder, someone's gonna come up and say, excuse me, Josh and Paul, this social distancing, you have to stand. And so now, now take that Josh to lockdown where we put kids on the floor, on the wall where the classroom door is because people can't see us from the hallway side. And kids are generally smooshed there. There's not a lot of room. But with, with the drills now, we're probably not going to have the kids do that. We'll have them get up after the announcement, but we'll say, in a real emergency, this is where you're going to go. But today, we're just, we're just talking about it. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. I, I'm, uh, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I have had the hardest time trying to put myself in a superintendent's shoes. I have a hard time putting myself in, in most people's shoes. But on a, on a normal day, superintendent and, uh, and operations staff for a school, um, on a COVID quarantine time, I sit here and just every day it seems like there's a, a, about six more things that, are, that should take top priority. 
Um, and, and the reality of it is, I mean, I don't know what they're talking about in Illinois and some of those other states, but Massachusetts, we're doing a free model. We're doing, um, you know, back to school, hybrid and, uh, and, and full virtual. And it's like, how do you prepare for all three? Right. Because back to school is business as usual, other than the, the directions that you got to walk in hybrid is we're going to have to figure out how to stagger those drills. We have to figure out how we do the do the visitor management, and some other things. And then a fully virtual, you you're, you're, you you've got to figure. You still have to figure out how do we manage people coming in and out of the buildings. I think what people fail to understand and see is just because school isn't in session doesn't mean people aren't there. And then the fourth piece, the fourth piece, which is the last one, which I don't see happening anytime soon anywhere, is the after hours use of buildings, which. Oh. That's okay. Yeah, and I, I want to speak to that a little bit because that does go with access control. But you know, in the past, uh, school districts and, and individual schools have had literally just an administrator on duty. Mm-hmm. And you no, know, now in in COVID, imagine. Let's say we are going to have a little band concert or um, I don't know a sporting event, and all of a sudden you've got people in masks walking into your area, your gym, whatever it might be, and we can't identify those people right away. And we have one administrator on duty. There's no way we'll be able to do that. Plus, we can't really put an incident command system in place with just one administrator anyway. So all of that is going to have to change for sure. And you know what will also change is before we knew if we walked out of the gym and around the corner, we'd find a defibrillator and maybe maybe um, a first aid kit was somewhere around. We're not going to be able to do that with PPE requirements we're going to have to say, where, where are our emergency supplies and are we bringing them into the activity? The answer will have to be yes. We're going to have to be a lot more prepared and equipped than we were before. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about all this stuff and I'm thinking about all the things that you were doing before this. And it just, it boggles my mind. And I just sit here and say, well, how we can open the schools back up for a pickup basketball game. But if we don't have all of what you're talking about on top of that, to be able to disinfect, sanitize and do all that's needed to get the kids back in. Yeah. Think about all the planning that has to go into this stuff. This is like, well, and our firm helps um, on the engineering side with cleaning. We've been doing a lot of uh, cleaning planning with districts. I don't know if you know this, but almost every disinfecting product has a little code on it. So, you know, Um, It's been rated. It has to be on a flat surface for X amount of time before it's actually disinfected, which is which is contrary to what we've done, especially in our homes. You go spritz, 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 you wipe it off and it might not have really done any disinfecting whatsoever. So this is all becoming revelational to our facilities personnel as they go, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. And, And some are going, well, I've got everything electrostatic or I've done, you know. All of these are, are talking points, but have to be implemented in an overall plan. Otherwise, you could be fooling yourself in terms of whether or not you've really done a good job. With no standardized protocol yet. Yeah. 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 And that, that, that spray and wipe, uh, I actually had a friend on my other podcast that you are on the Operate Intelligently, uh, Greg Lookabout, who I think you met from Texas, and he talks about, you know, we have to clean for health, not for appearance. Like that spray and wipe, that it looks clean, but did we actually do the job? And so. I'm seeing a ton right now of activity with custodial trainings and lots of, lots of new process and trying to develop protocol, but I don't think it's going to get standardized and, 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 and squared away. 
um, especially with, I mean, it's, it's just, it's too much. It's a lot of stuff. Well, going on. And, and we were working with the district, a maintenance person tested positive and let the district know. And the security director actually did a really wonderful job of coming in and doing the contact tracing using video and all of those things to see where that person was, who they encountered. And they interviewed that person just to verify where were you. And then they, then they, they tracked it all after that. But imagine imagine what it takes to do all of this and and by the way we can do it we might not be able to do it perfectly but we do have tools in place and it's just making sure that we're aware of those things and and what what does that take it takes education collaboration etc to get it done i mean if anybody ever wanted security cameras and couldn't get them because they, you know people always say you know security cameras don't prevent the crime it just gives us evidence after the crime but uh, I think that for contact tracing, I'm sitting here. I mean, every place has got a camera. I didn't even think I was when you were saying about contact tracing, I'm like, how do they contact trace? They just ask the guy to do his cookie crumbs where he went, but they do the cameras and follow him walking around the halls and what he touches and where they go. That's pretty, that's pretty wild stuff. It's incredible. So what else are you working on now? You got your, you got another, you got, well, first of all, you have a book, right? I do. And I'm working on the second edition. So thank you for asking. In fact, um, I'm trying to pick up the pace because my manuscripts for the uh, second edition are due by the end of August. And it, uh, and so um, then the second edition will come out either at the very end of the year or the beginning of 2021. But um, it's, uh, so that's a big project for me right now. That was a um, is it is a similar name to the first edition. I mean, it was a really it was a really well thought out t- title. I mean, I I was trying to think of how you came up with it. Yeah, it's so funny. I always tell people it's all about school security, so I call it school security. Um, yeah. But it's going to have the same title. There's a little subtitle as well. All yeah. of that will be the same. It'll just say second edition. But we have. We've updated or are in the process of updating everything because, you know, resources change and issues change. And even in, as we address even bullying prevention in there, things like that have updated and changed. And I'm just so thankful for so many people who have helped me as I've gone, because the last thing you want to do, especially when I've got a chapter on social media risks and solutions, yes. is still have a section that talks about Vine, because Vine's been gone. So yeah, I have to be careful in picking and choosing, and I've really relied on industry partners to say, what will stand the test of time? And if it won't stand the test of time, what are the principles that will stand the test of time? Yeah. Have you, have you talked to the guys from Gaggle? I have not. Oh my God. You got to check those. You got to check them out. They, they, their technology. Um, I can't remember the name of it. I'll, I'll, I'll get you hooked up with those guys. So I just, I connected with them years ago because it was close to Google. So I figured, you know, they got to be doing something good, but they have technology um, where they can get alerted to keywords and they've prevented hundreds of suicide based on, you know, bullying and thing. I think every district should have a gaggle or something like it in there. I mean, that's just a, a no. I'd love to get it. Yeah. I know that uh, the term digital threat assessment is a fairly new term, and Safer Schools Together has really done a great job of teaching districts how to do that digital threat assessment. Um, and, and, and that'll definitely be a component of what we talk about, but I'll look up gaggle for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll hook you up. I, I know a couple of those guys, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're just a uh, good, good group, good company. Um, I saw digital threat assessment twice on the thread for LinkedIn today, two people posted stuff on it. So, Hey, you know what, before we go, you know, let's talk about, can I talk about social media for a minute? Cause there's just so much going on right now. I mean, yeah. this is crazy. I mean, p- people are just, 
you know, understandably so, we're in stage five of the six stages of disaster they talk about all the time, which is this is the disillusionment stage or the crash stage. This is when we're, we're worst to ourselves and worst to others around us. Social media is just going crazy with people not being nice to each other. Um, all sorts of trolling and all sorts of craziness. And, you know, people are getting more active. It's an election year, so you know there's going to be all sorts of nut stuff going on. What should parents and faculty or what should people be doing best practices on social media? Where should they be? What should they be on the lookout for kids? I always like asking you this. And, and like you say, the first book had Vine and it's not there anymore. So what's, what's hot, what's not, and what to do? Yeah, thank you for asking. And I'll be as brief as I can. First of all, my four kids are my chief source of information. And and so really, the, the whole idea here is education. And I've I've told administrators and teachers over the years, please don't be the person who boycotts everything. It's like uh, it's like saying, okay, I see everybody in the swimming pool. I hope they do well. I don't know how to swim, so I just hope it goes well. That, that would be foolish. You don't need to be in the pool all the time, but you do need to know how to swim. And so for social media, I, I always say, please don't boycott, get educated. And then you can help people with like, for example, security settings on Facebook. You can help people make sure their Instagram account is private and not, not, um, not public. Um, but I will tell you this, there is one area that I told a platform, I told my kids, I don't want you on there anymore. And that's TikTok. And I, I don't know if you've read anything about it, but the, the latest education I've seen is it's been reverse engineered and there is nothing, no platform known demand that's more invasive from a privacy standpoint than TikTok. Basically, if, you're, if you've got that, they own all information about you that could ever have been on that phone. And, and so I told my own kids, that's one place I want you to vacate and, and they have. Um, but otherwise, in terms of things like Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat, um, while I don't think that everybody has to be there, I do think you want to be educated and know about it. And in many of those, those places, I am there just so I can be more aware. Mm -hmm. The TikTok thing, uh, my 13-year-old was on it. Amazon temporarily pulled it from all employees' devices. I told them to deactivate it. And then there was a report that that was false about the reverse engineering but I think that there was a there was probably another, you know, there's always three different ways of how people look at things. I, I'm going to probably go have them. It must be vetted. Shut again, it back um, off. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I mean, if, if, if this is the thing, if, if, if there's technology out there that uh, that can that can do what they're saying it can do and somebody's got proof of it and they did it once. Who's to say they didn't do it a billion times? And what are they using it for? And what are they looking for? I mean, maybe they did it a bunch of times and finally they they're looking for some some of the yeah. good, some of the good dirt. I'm not getting TikTok. I get, I got uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, and uh, LinkedIn. And I do most of my stuff on LinkedIn. And who wants to know about my business background? And they're, they're not much they're going to be able to want to want to look for there. Um, but uh, and Facebook's for old people, I guess is what they say. But uh, yeah, either way, uh, Facebook teaches us about two factor authentication, which we want to use every time we're online, if possible, with anything we do, including online banking. And, uh, and Twitter is a chief method of mass notification. You, you, your schools are going to have a Twitter account, and that is how we are going to get information. We get to choose who we follow. You don't have to follow your governor or the president, or, but we get to choose who we follow. And, 
And listen, it, we're in a day where everybody is their own PR agent and everybody has their own PR engine. So we want to be smart about how we're doing that. And to have that ongoing dialogue with our kids and with each other is so important. Yeah. My friend, always, always learn something new. And, uh, you know, I, you, you sometimes put the fear of God in me, but you always get me thinking and you always got me looking and uh, you know, it's one of those things. And I, I, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, we had a town, we had a town meeting last month that I went to, it was 350, 400 people there. And, uh, and I stood in a certain spot and, the, and I went up and uh, part of it was, you know, uh, I shared that, you know, I, I, you guys all went, were told where to sit and you sat there. So you felt safe. I said, I, I stood in the safest place. You guys are all in the kill zone. I'm sitting in the safest spot in the middle of the room. I'm like, man, these, all these threat assessments and all these overviews and discussion points and everything. I walk into a room and I'm going, where am I, where am I the safest? Thanks to Paul, Tim and friends. Um, so I appreciate you keeping me safe and keeping me grounded. And also my, my point of contact when anything bad happens for me to for you to call for me to call and be talked down or explain something to. So I uh, appreciate you, my friend. Uh, well, and listen, what you're doing with be awesome is really great. And I, I love listening to you. And like I said, you know, or you, you mentioned earlier, we get to see each other when we're traveling, we get to see each other now, right, right. Only through zoom, but um, I greatly value our friendship. You too, my friend, before I go, I'm sure I've got at least one or two people that have listened to this um, how can people get a hold of you? Are you doing assessments? Are you going out, still going out to schools if somebody wants you? Um, what does that look like? You know, what are you, what are you doing right now? Mostly what we're doing is virtual. There are opportunities that we've been able to get into buildings. And of course, we would do that through all proper PPE and social distancing if, if that was needed. So uh, the answer to both of those is, is yes. And um, in terms of um, my cell phone, it's uh, it's a 630-776-5262. Um, and then, you know, my email address is just paul.tim. Yes, I have two first names, but uh, the last name has two M's, which makes it official. But it's paul.tim at feapc.com. Um, and so I think those are the two best places to get me. And, you know, we take a lot of phone calls for people who are just saying, gosh, we're stuck. Can you at least point us in the right direction? And the answer is yes, we can do that. I don't have a bad phone, but I, I, I do answer almost every, I mean, almost every call I get within reason. I, I can help. Oh, yeah. No, you, you, you answer all the time, even if you have to hang up almost immediately. Uh, you're one of the most responsive, receptive. And anytime someone openly gives their cell phone number, that means they want to talk to someone. So that's my key for people to say, and I'll put all that information in the show notes. Um, appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. You make such a difference to, to help keep our schools and our, our students, our kids safe in the country and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you in person soon, my friend. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. Be safe. Well, that will do it for this episode. I hope you guys got something out of this uh, in regards to opening back up to school. I know there's a lot of people that have kids uh, or people that are working at schools. And, and just know that behind the scenes, there are countless people working to make sure that processes and programs and the million and one new moving pieces to go along with the million moving pieces that they had prior to this are being put in place and they're doing the absolute best they can. So let's let's make sure that we're supportive. Let's make sure that we're trying to find the greatest results and realize that, 
you know, everybody's got, everybody's got a story. Some people have been directly affected by COVID. Some people feel like they're healthy as a horse and won't catch it. Um, there's lots of different trains of thought and that's the beauty of this country. We all get to have that independent thinking. So, um, that'll do it for this episode. I got to tell you, a friend of mine, past, past guest, Andrew Appleton put a post today, um, reminding me, uh, on the last day that I was traveling in North Carolina, he was in uh, North Carolina with us. And, uh, and we were, I was with the sales team and I made, I had one of the younger sales reps making cold calls. And, uh, I said, I said to him to make sure he told the person he's never talked to before that he, that he, that he loved him. Um, and he, and he asked me why. And I said, well, if you love what you do, and if you love the people that you serve, then saying, I love you should be the easiest thing for you to do. So, uh, I appreciate you, Andrew, uh, and to you, the listeners here, I love you all. I appreciate everything you're doing. Um, please share with your friends if you like me if you don't josh at beawesome.com i'll do what i can to fix it or at least listen and uh appreciate all of you guys weathering the storm together with us and look forward to uh the next episode potentially school focused or maybe local focused all my local eastern businesses you guys are on fire you're doing such great work i know you guys are running a thousand miles an hour i'm hoping to get some more people on but because I don't have them on doesn't mean they don't want to. It just means that they're running on all cylinders, trying to keep things going and keep people employed in our wonderful little town. So if you can be anything, be awesome. <laughs>